Well, good morning. It is, uh, again, good to be here, good to be back. Um, we had a great vacation. If you could call it really a vacation, we just weren't here, but probably did more down there, walking and everything. Uh, we had a great time. Thank you for your prayers, uh, for our safe travels to and from. We had a, a wonderful time driving getting to see the Florida countryside and enjoying warmer weather while there was monsoons going on here. Um, so it was a, a great time to be away and, and be around um, family and getting to do things like that. Uh, we are continuing in our studies this morning in Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9 if you want to go ahead and turn there. Uh, we're doing the series Table Talks. Um, and we're going through the Gospel of Luke and seeing all of these different times we find Jesus eating and, and being with people in meals, and today is going to be no different uh, as we find Jesus again at another meal and learning a lesson from that meal. Now, I want to ask, what is your reaction to big crowds? Are you the person that just loves big crowds? I know I just talked to somebody earlier who says they avoid them at all costs, right? Or are you somebody that avoids them, right? You are like, hey, if there's going to be a crowd there, I'm not going to be there. Well, if you ever want to go to Disney World, you can't be a person who hates crowds. Because if you look at the picture on the left, this is what is called rope drop for people who stay on the grounds of Disney World at one of their resorts, you get early admission into the parks, 30 minutes early. Now, you're thinking to yourself, that seems like a lot of people just to be 30 minutes early, right? Well, there's actually way more than that behind us, and there was way more at another part, right? Um, you cannot be a person who despises crowds if you want to be a part of this rope drop. And also on the picture on the right, that is the end, about 9 o'clock at night at Disney's World's Magic Kingdom as they just did the uh, fireworks. Now, Jesus was also somebody who wasn't afraid of crowds, right? He often was found either being bombarded by crowds, um, wherever he got off a ship in Jewish territory, who was there to meet him? Massive crowds. And Jesus never shied away from those crowds. Rather, he used those moments to teach, to preach, and to help people see about this new kingdom of God that was coming. And he was ready to help people uh, be involved and to learn more about this uh, teaching of his. And this morning is going to be no different. There's going to be a massive crowd that meets Jesus, and he's going to spend that time teaching them. So if you will, we're going to be going through the text in chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. We'll talk a little bit about the context as we begin, and it'll help us understand what's going on, and we'll find the lessons from this, and we'll apply it to our lives. Notice in the very first couple of verses of this passage, Jesus says, on, or Luke says, On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. Now, we're going to stop there and notice it was the apostles' return. Well, what were they returning from? If you were to jump back up earlier in this chapter in verses 1 through 6, notice the 12, the apostles, are sent out on this what we call limited commission, right? Jesus gives them authority to be able to cast out demons, cure diseases, and he wanted them to go proclaim the kingdom of God in various areas, 
right? And so they've done that. This is their first mission trip, I guess you could say. They're going out, they're preaching, they're healing, they're doing all of these different things, and now they're coming back. They're jacked. They're excited. They're super pumped up. Man, we've had some, some great encounters, and they're coming back, and they're telling him all that they had done, right? Just think about how excited they possibly were. And so notice he then goes on to say, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida, right? So there's our first area where we're going to be at. Now, let's talk about Bethsaida for a little bit. Here's a little bit of a history lesson. Here's the Sea of Galilee area. Notice uh, Bethsaida is on the northeast shore of the Sea of Galilee. This was uh, a, a trade area, a fishing town um, was a little bit about it. Here's a couple of quick facts. It was a fishing village. Uh, it was hometown of three of the apostles, Philip, Andrew, and uh, Peter. And it was what they would have called home. We know that from John chapter 1, verse 44. It was govern, governed by Philip the Tetrarch. Well, what in the world does Tetrarch mean? I looked it up because I didn't know what it meant. It means he was a ruler of pretty much a quarter of this Jerusalem uh, area, uh, or not Jerusalem area, this Jewish province area. And so there was also three others that were involved. And if you know anything about maybe the Gospel of Mark, which is a favorite gospel of mine, uh, in chapter 6 of Mark, we learn about King Herod and his wife Herodias. And she was the original wife to who? Philip, right? Herod's brother. And so uh, this is that Philip. And now Philip is the governing person over this area of Bethsaida. And it's also a place where Jesus performed many miracles or some big miracles. One of those is what we're going to talk about this morning, the feeding of the 5,000, healing of a blind man in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26, and also walking on water in Mark 6, verses 45 through 51. A very important place in uh, Bible uh, history and everything along those lines, and that's where our place is going to be this morning. So we know who's involved, we know uh, where they're at, and we also know, notice this crowd. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who need healing. Now, why were they following him? If you were to go back through, we're already into Luke chapter 9, right? Jesus has been doing some healings. Jesus has been doing these massive miracles. And guess what? The people knew about it. And so they were chasing him wherever he was going. Notice when they had heard, oh, Jesus just is at Bethsaida. Where'd they go? Bethsaida, right? They wanted to get to Jesus. Was it because of the physical healing and the, the curing of diseases and the casting out of demons? Maybe. But maybe they wanted to hear him preach. Notice what Jesus does when he shows up there. He starts proclaiming or speaking or teaching about the kingdom of God. I always love when you'll see these moments where we see what Jesus was doing. What was he doing first? Was he handing out food? Or was he trying to help people with uh, the diseases that they had? No, he spent time teaching them. What did Jesus know was the most important thing? To teach them the spiritual things, right? And then, of course, he helped them by healing them, by confirming the words that he was speaking and doing things along those lines. But notice Jesus spends a lot of time helping those with their spiritual lives. And that's a lesson in itself for us is when we are around people who are in need of things, 
right? Maybe they need some groceries. Maybe they need a little bit of money. Maybe they need, can we help them first by letting them know about God and his kingdom? Right, And maybe that's a small lesson for all of us to where we do know people who are in need, so let's spend time helping their spiritual side first before we help their physical side. right? And that may be just praying with them. That may be asking them, do they have a relationship with Christ? right? And things along those lines. But notice these people we're following. We've got massive crowds, and sometimes when I think of these crowds in the Bible, because movies have probably done this to us and shows, we think of like maybe there's 20 people following Jesus. No, no, no. Right? We're going to learn that there was 5,000 men in this crowd at some point. And maybe there was more, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But these aren't small crowds that are following Jesus. Right? These are massive groups of people that are trying to get to him because they want to hear him preach. They want to hear him teach, but they also want these healings from him. All right? So we've got the setting. He's in the Bethsaida area. Um, and he's got this massive crowd. His 12 apostles are there. And now, notice in verse 12, now the day began to wear away, right? Uh, it was getting evening time. And the 12 came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. So now we notice the 12 are still involved, the crowd's involved, and they're in this desolate place. They're not in the town proper of Bethsaida, right? They're out in the country, as we would say. Uh, they're not in Vance proper. They're not in Tuscaloosa proper. They're down uh, more towards Centerville area, right? Out in the country. They are not around towns where uh, they can just, hey, go into that meeting place over there and we'll get some food, right? And so these uh, apostles are thinking to themselves, how are we going to help these people? It's starting to get nighttime, and they need to go and get some food and find a place to stay, right? And so look at how Jesus responds to them. He said to them, you give them something to eat. That's a very weird thing to say if you're reading through this. All of a sudden, you're like, why would Jesus tell them to do something? Again, you have to understand, we're nine chapters into the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus has already performed so many miracles, right? Who does he want these people to rely on? Him. Because notice he says, you give them something to eat, and what is their response? Well, all we got is five loaves and two fish. We can't. Who could? And he wanted them to be able to know that. But how did they respond? All we've got is this. So we can't feed them. Well, duh. You, we know you can't. You've got a Lunchable is oftentimes what I'll tell people. Right? And you can't feed people. And these aren't like honking loaves that come out of the oven nowadays where you see people with their big old sourdough loaves or big old homemade uh, bread loaves. No, these are like little snack size loaves, all right? And these aren't massive 10-pound bass that they're pulling out of the Sea of Galilee. These look probably like bait fish to us, right? You can't feed 5,000 people there. And notice in verse 14, there were about 5,000 men. And so this massive crowd is made up of 5,000 men. And I know when you go through this, most times scholars will say, well, that was just counting the men there was probably equal amounts of women and children, so it could have been 15,000. All Luke tells us is there was 5,000 men. Still a big crowd, right? Does it change that the miracle that Jesus did, that he went from 5,000 people to 15,000? No, Luke tells us there was 5,000 men. And so we have this massive crowd of people, 
The apostles are saying, hey, send them home, Jesus. They need to go get their own food. We don't have enough money to pay for them. And he says, uh, well, why don't you just go ahead and feed them and say, we don't have enough food and we don't have enough money. Duh. You just think Jesus wanted to look at them and say, guys, y'all have seen me raise people from the dead. You've watched me heal people by them just touching my garment, right? Don't you wish he was just looking at them going, well, why don't you just say, we know you can do it. Why don't you do it? So he says to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And they had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Now, what's cool about this blessing and this word here, it's not what you would normally see as the word blessing or blessed. It's the word eulogeo, which we would often talk about is a eulogy, right? Um, this is a praise to God. This is a thanksgiving to God. God, thank you for this miracle that you're about to perform, this blessing that you're about to give us right? Notice what he then does next. He breaks the loaves and he gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And, was, and what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. So five loaves of bread, two pieces of fish, or two fish, turned into 12 baskets of leftovers. Wow, what a miracle, right? And there's so many things that we can learn from this. And, and that uh, is so fascinating about this miracle. You could look at the miracle that Jesus was able to turn five loaves and two fish into being able to feed 5,000 people. How much was he able to feed them until they were satisfied? What does it mean to be satisfied? If you were to look at this word, it's the same word that you find in Luke chapter 6, verse 21, which is the area where Luke talks about his beatitudes, right? And he says, those who hunger, uh, who are hungry, they will be satisfied. Blessed are those who are hungry, for they will be satisfied, right? The same word there for satisfied, and it's the idea of this being filled, being uh, fortunate, being able to have this in your life. Imagine how many times back in that day they were able to eat to be satisfied. Probably not very often, right? And so now these people are, have full bellies. They've just heard Jesus preach to them, and now um, they have 12 baskets of leftovers. I want to propose this lesson for us this morning. Hungry people become happy people. Hungry people become happy people. The idea of that term happy comes from that idea of being satisfied. If you were to really go down into it, you'd see happy, full, all of these different things. Well, it takes hunger in people for us to fill that hunger, doesn't it? These people that were following Jesus, right? Yes, they may have been coming for the physical healing, but I, I bet you a lot of them were coming to hear this guy preach, right? Because oftentimes when you look through the gospel accounts, they were so fascinated with Jesus, not only because he could perform miracles, but his teaching was different. He was teaching with authority. He was teaching not like the scribes and Pharisees, and so they wanted to hear him, and they did, and they did at all costs, right? You think about the woman who had the hemorrhage for so long, she had exhausted all her resources. She was hungry to get help, and what happened? She got help, 
She went after him. She went to touch his garment. She pushed through a crowd, which was a major no-no back in the Jewish days, right? And so she made sure she got to him. See, hungry people will become happy people. I want to ask you this morning, are you a hungry person? I'm not talking about being hungry for personal fame. I'm not talking about being hungry for a a larger bank account. Are you hungry for Jesus? Are you hungry to follow him? Some things that we learn from this particular lesson is that hungry hungry people will search for their food. Notice what happened when these people learned that he was in Bethsaida. They were just going to wait till he got to hit their town next. No, they said, we're going. He's at Bethsaida. I'm going to Bethsaida. Are we hungry enough to go find Jesus wherever we need to? That may mean reading our Bibles, right? How often do we open our Bibles throughout the week? How often? Now, you don't have to have a paperback Bible. Some of us don't tote those around in our trucks or vehicles, but we can put a phone app on our phones. Right, you can have the Bible app. You can have uh, Blue Letter Bible. You could have eSword. You could have um, Logos Bible. You could have Dwell Bible app. You could have all of these different things. Right? If you were somebody who was hungry for Jesus, you could find him in any sort of place that you wanted to in this world. Right? There's YouTube videos. There's podcasts. There's all of these different things. You will never go hungry if you're truly trying to search for Jesus. These people went to go find Jesus. Are we doing that in our lives? Because I'm going to promise you, if you're hungry to find Jesus, you will find him, right? You will be able to read about him. You will be able to study about him. You will be able to hear all of his words nonstop every single day if you truly want to. Notice also, hungry people will be satisfied. Isn't that what we learned from this lesson? Did Jesus let his people go hungry that were there? No, he made sure all were satisfied. He also made sure his 12 apostles went around and picked up all the leftovers. Kind of like a look at what I was able to do type of thing. Right? He was able to make everybody satisfied, filled. And if we're all honest with ourselves, there's those times in our life where we feel empty and maybe we look back and we say, the reason I'm empty is because my spiritual life has really fallen off, right? Maybe it's usually towards the end of the year when we've got all these holidays that have just happened and all of these different things. Thankfully, we have January 1st to make all these resolutions. And what are some of those resolutions? I want to study the Bible more. Why is that? Why do you think we always want to study the Bible more at the beginning of the year? Because at the end of the year, we've fallen off of the track, right? And we've all been thinking to ourselves, man, I feel so empty, I feel so worn out, I feel stressed, I feel anxious, I feel all these things because we've lost our hunger for Jesus and we haven't been satisfied in a while. We haven't been filled in a while. Our cups are nearing empty. I want to be totally honest. If you are hungry for Jesus, he will make sure you're filled up, right? He will make sure that your cup does not go empty. But we have to be those hungry people. We have to be willing to go and search for him and and find him and listen to him and study about him and do all of these different things. And last, notice, hungry people can never out-eat Jesus' provisions. How many baskets full did they pick up afterwards? Twelve. Was Jesus going to run out of a potluck meal? 
That's sometimes a big fear of ours is we're going to have a big potluck afterwards and people are going to show up and we're going to be like, "Uh uh-oh, we ran out. Was Jesus ever going to run out? No, and he's never going to run out with his provisions for his people either. If you're hungry for Jesus, you're going to be full. And guess what? You're going to be taking a doggy box home with you because he's able to give you that much. He's able to make, as we often say, your cup runneth over. That's what he can do for us. And that's how hungry people become happy people because we've spent time with Jesus we spent time with God in our lives and in turn we become these happy people right we become these people that we like to be around where man I know Jesus is in that person's life because all they can do is smile all they can do is be happy because they've spent time with Jesus, because they're hungry to learn more about him. Maybe you want to learn more historical stuff. Maybe you want to learn more about Bible study methods. Maybe you want to learn more about the Greek language or the Hebrew language or the Aramaic language. It doesn't matter. Just be hungry for him, right? Study what you want to study. Study about Jesus. Study about God. Study about everything in the Bible. Just be hungry for him because hungry people will become happy people my encouragement for you this week as we close out this lesson is to hunger for jesus this week let's just start with this week right hunger for him right desire him is that idea don't go hungry hunger for him right don't fast from jesus this week please don't think of me saying that but have a desire to want to learn about him to pray to study to be around people that are jesus people and just love him have a desire for him because hungry people will become happy people if you're here this morning and you are in need of responding to god's invitation whether you're someone who is in need of encouragement maybe you have fallen off the wagon we may say and you've fallen away from god's family and you are ready to come back and be restored to his family you want to ask for prayers this morning we would love to have time where we pray for you and encourage you this morning or maybe you're here and you have uh, found that you are believing that jesus is the son of god and you're ready to uh, have your faith put into him and you're ready to repent of your sins you're ready to turn from that life you've been living and turn to god and you want to confess him as your Lord and make him your king of your life. Well, there's also another step in that process we call baptism, which is where we are immersed in waters to have our sins washed away. Is the sin going to come off your body that we can see? No, but there is a spiritual thing that happens that we read about in the Bible where God is able to cleanse us through this water because of the blood of Jesus. If you haven't done that this morning, and you want to, and you want to become this child of God and a part of his church, we would love to do that for you. We just ask that you please come while we stand and sing the song of invitation.